This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 713, brought to you by the Netflix Behind the Scenes podcast. New episodes of Behind the Scenes are out now with new episodes weekly. And iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 713. I'm Connor Gilpatrick. This is Josh Flanagan. Well, hello there. And we're back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking, I was like, oh, I'm getting over this cold. It'll be rough. And then you show up and you're like, hold my NyQuil. Yeah. We pal. got sick over the break. That's what you want on your vacation. That's fine. <laughs> so we're back. Uh, we took our, our yearly winter break. And uh, now this is we're entering our 15th year of the show, Josh. Why did you tell us? Why? What the heck? And not only that, but it's our 20th year of a fanboy in general. So it's a generation. <laughs> a generation it's, of doing a fanboy. It's my entire adult life. If it wasn't for this, it would just be endless war. So uh, <laughs> that's fun. It is fun. I, I, it is. <laughs> there's, no, there's nothing I can say with this voice that sounds, that sounds enthusiastic, but I am enthusiastic. I sound like I want to <laughs> die, which I do. Um. So we are iFanboy. What are we? If you're new to the show, maybe you decide to check out podcasts in the new year. We are iFanboy, and every week we read a bunch of comics, and one of us, they pick their favorite book, and they call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book, other books from the week. Uh, We have our patron pick and listener mail. It's a fun time. I'm going to try not to cough and or hack up anything into the microphone. It'll be great for everyone. And here's You have a button. I you do. Just hit that button. I'm going to try. And if you hit the... Sometimes it happens out of nowhere. Here's your spoiler warning. This is a review show. There'll be spoilers. So exercise your, your caution brain. It's just whatever that is. I don't know. Oh, man. That's, hold on. I'm going to write that, that down with my patron power. You know what the thing is? Like, usually we take these breaks. And, we, I, and I, I always come back like we're super enthusiastic and excited to do the show because uh-huh. I miss talking to you about comics. And then and I just I'm, I just want to go to sleep. That's that's so I'm, I'm, I'm apologize to all the listeners out there. I'm very I mean, happy to be back and doing the show and reading comics. But uh, man, I'm I am not doing well. Josh, when, you when, the pick, thankfully. When do you not just want to go to sleep though? Even if it's a good day, you're like, you don't be nice. You know, it'd be great to take a nap. <laughs> I finally understand oh. my grandfather. Oh, hundred uh, percent. Pick of the week this week is Amazing Spider-Man number thirty-seven. Oh, uh, Wait, we should also mention. Whew, yeah, boy, I don't envy you, man. We can we. There was a week, the week, one of the weeks we were off. I had like forty books on my 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 pull list. It was crazy. I was really glad we didn't have the show that week. Mine are still there. But yeah, most of them are. But <laughs> but man, this week I think I had like twelve books, and I finished reading. And I texted you, texted you. And I was like, "Good luck, buddy," because <laughs> it was there was a lot of fine reads. But man, this was a weird week. Yeah, and like I was, I was definitely doing the thing which I I don't get to do very much anymore. I was searching like, well, what else can I read? Right. Um, which is you know, uh, it's sort of good and sort of bad. Um, there wasn't really a ton to choose from, so I had to sort of come at this with a different set of uh, criteria sure. to to decide what the pick of the week was. Um, and I decided on Amazing Spider-Man thirty-seven. There were other things. I think we're going to talk about all the other ones that were close. Uh, and the reasoning is, uh, I had I've been enjoying Nick Spencer's run primarily with Ryan Otley, but also with other other fine and capable artists. And people like that, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's 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 been a real uh, return to Spider Man. Um, it's been you know sort of like wow, w- w- you know I don't know if it took Nick Spencer this long to be able to be the guy who could do this, but right now he's totally the guy to do this. Um, and there had been the crossover bit, I guess, with uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine. And some I don't know. I stopped reading it. I, I basically completely lost track of the book, and I said I'm just going to read it when it comes back. It, it, this book has been terrific when it hasn't been in a crossover. Like I, I yeah, it was before 2099. It was like one of my top books, and yeah, uh, I just didn't care about that crossover at all. But I mean, also there was a couple of new uh, absolute carnage crossovers. Like there was a, I feel like there was like six issues in a row that were crossovers. But uh, now that we're, yeah. we're off that, I. Yeah. The thing, the thing so about I, this week is like you could pick, you could have picked anything, and I've been like, okay, sure. Um, yeah. 
And this was one actually really enjoyable. As you said, Otley's back, and it's it's beautiful when he does it. And there was some there was some laughs, and they're setting up some interesting things. And yeah, and and that was that was really key. I think um, I was reading, you know, I was reading through it, and I, I just found myself really appreciating Ryan Otley, which I always have. But you know, it's one of those things too. Like, wow, he's he's he was also pretty much made to draw this book. Um, and, and you got to see all the things that he did in Invincible that made that work really well, but, you know, sort of, he couldn't fall back on the tropes that he'd been able to do in that book, you know, where his thing is, you know, he could do really violent, gory, but also kind of funny cartooning of, you know, people who'd been beaten up or are getting beaten up real bad. And this, he can't do that. He's got to kind of go with a different thing. And on uh, first, the first sort of page here is a, is a um, double page spread. And then right after that, you have a scene of, um, Jonah J. Jonah Jameson uh, on the mic at his radio show. <laughs> the two sort of wacky morning DJs come in, Chet and Chet. Yeah. And I, I was like, this is just the best page. It, <laughs> it was like for, from art, like the way that they were drawn and the, the, the facial expressions on Chet and Chet, it, the fact that one of them is dressed, you know, he's sort of a bigger dude in an oversized jersey and a backwards hat. Then the other guy's got the sort of serial killer who works at a convenience store haircut and goatee. I mean, every single thing about it was perfect. Even, I might go so far to say, is uh, the RE20 microphone that he drew yeah, there. No, a little impressed. small, yeah. but that's the correct microphone. Um just everything about that, I just wow, that's really good. And I was just impressed by the not superhero-y stuff. And then also, it was just really funny, <laughs> Chet and Chet time. And he walks out angry, and he literally, Jonas literally says, Rassum, Rassum, which is, <laughs> I don't know if you, people know what that is anymore, but it's the grumbly cartoon sound that, yeah. that old grumpy men make. Um, <laughs> and so they really sort of reset the table on... Uh, I mean, I just got back on. I hadn't, I hadn't read the last however many issues. I just said I'm, I'm going to come back, and then I looked, and I was like, oh, this one looks safe. Um, so it, it sets up the new paradigm for for J. Jonah Jameson here, where he's going to get. I don't know if he's getting bought out uh, or some invest, but he's going to make a lot of money to do he's some stuff. Joining Nora Winters, who was the uh, character that was introduced a while back, uh, uh-huh. who was a journalist, to right. in some new digital. Uh, <laughs> Uh, adventure in journalism and that's the, right. the only problem with all these books is that half of the characters are journalists and no one really <laughs> knows how to deal with that in the books because it's, a, point. it's an important part of their characters and mm-hmm. so now uh, so we have him I guess leaving the radio station because he left the Daily Bugle a while ago right. to uh, join Norwinter's some highly paid uh, journalistic venture which is fine. I just want I want him to be on the radio show forever. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> I think that's exactly the correct uh, update to what uh, he yeah, had been sure. in the 60s. Um, then you have a reset, too, of uh, Peter Parker, and he is now in possession of of the clairvoyance, uh, the clairvoyant, which will help him predict the future. I don't know. I don't really care. Um, yeah, that was an element from the 2099 crossover. Yeah, I figured. Um, and... Uh, it's they, they, correctly there. There are allusions to Civil War II, in which they had that mm-hmm. that character who could predict the future and all the trouble that brought. So he's a little twitchy about it. Um, yeah, but we also have him sort. Of, I mean, basically just swinging around and in his own head as he as he does stuff. And I think that I was just impressed by the you know that's it's this is Spider Man. This is the the current version of Spider Man and and all of his sort of uh, hand-wringing and, and uh, you know, inner monologue is that same old stuff that he's been dealing with. You know, I, I want to do the best. I need to be there for that, but I got to take care of myself and I have this wife and they have a nice date, you know, like... Yeah, I mean, the oh, whole thing is oh, trying to get home in time for the, for the video yeah. chat because she's off making a movie in the Amazing Mary Jane book. Um, yeah, and he's always late and that's the thing and and he and she's surprised that he's on time and, you know, it's just, it's it's... It's fun to have him balance those things and kind of like you know he didn't really screw up anything this time. We got to we got he got to have a nice night. He fell asleep on the call, yeah. Which I'm sure he missed out on some sort of sexy time, but um, that's that's all right. Who uh, and then and okay, then we're so back. I, I assume this the guy with the worm. Good bit question. So the yes, the bad guy with the worm who we've been seeing for a while. I believe he was. I can't remember if he was revealed or not. I think he he might be Harry Osborn. Um, there was some allusion like to who he was, but the main thing here is he, through some awesome comic book magic, which I just love. 
when this stuff happens. He has resurrected Sin Eater. Is that who that is? Yeah, from the classic Spider-Man story, The Death of Gene DeWolf, which was uh, the 80s, I think. And so Sin Eater's like a, sort of like Scourge? He's a cop. He's like a cop turned vigilante. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. uh, that was, the 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 death of Gene DeWolf was one of those classic Spider-Man stories from the late '80s uh-huh. that I read as a kid, um, and uh, he was the bad the bad guy in that one. Ended up dying at the end, so I don't think I don't think he's been back since then. But uh, that was cool to see. I was like, "Whoa, Sydney! Yeah. I haven't thought about yeah. you in twenty five years." No, so it's just you know coming back in the new year. How about just a good issue of Spider-Man? Yeah, it was very good, and uh, you know. It, you know, really, I mean, the, you know, the whole time I'm just looking at the Ryan Otley art, going, "This is this is great. This is all great," and and I'm I'm paying attention to the characterizations and how where we are, and you know that you got one of those. These are almost becoming cliche now, but the, you know the nine panel grid where all the superheroes say a different thing, and you sort of get a little little gag and a little bit of their character. You know, bunch bunch of nice things. It's not. You also, uh, also get Otley drawing a bunch of them, which is nice. Yeah. So you know, it's not dinner at a fancy restaurant, but it's the it's the old neighborhood place. You know, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna have a little little nice meal with some fries, and uh, and and let's move on with it. And that's uh, that's what I got out of this. Uh, great uh, colors by uh, Nathan Fairbairn, uh, uh, who who's I love every time I see his name on a on a comic book. I'm very happy yeah, about it. Cliff, it Cliff Rathburn is his inker in a world where there are hardly any inkers left. I'm really appreciative of books that have inkers very much lately. I notice it. Well, there's only about five or six left, <laughs> which is funny because I remember why, like 10 years ago, there was some controversy because Sean Murphy claimed there would be no more inkers. And everyone was like, whoa, and he was right. There's no more inkers. Let's, uh, let's move over to Vertigo. Let us. Um, I'm reading a surprisingly no- surprising number of horror-themed books, including The Dollhouse Family, number two, three year. I read two and three. Um, yeah. Which I believe was... Pick of the week. That was a pick of the week. That, First one. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm not super loving it. Uh-huh. I like the stuff that's. So as we talked about, because it was pick of the week, it's two stories, or, or well, it's multiple stories, but there's two main ones. Yeah. One is in the present day, with this woman. Although now we've jumped further into the future, where she's now an adult. With, yeah. With the dollhouse, and then we go back, and then we also go back in the past to see the so the, gen, the generation of the dollhouse and. the the curse and everything. There's two timelines that we're basically right. going. But then there's also these demons. And whenever I go to the demons, I'm like, eh, I don't really care. But when we go to, like, the, the, the horror of the, what this woman's dealing with is compelling. The story of this guy who had been cursed by going in the cave and then the dollhouse shows up on his front door and his wife dies in childbirth. And that was all really compelling. It's just like when he goes in the cave and there's like a giant demon and there's a woman with, I was like, hey, whatever. But. I, I, the art's terrific, and um, the ending was kind of shocking. So I like this issue a lot. I think I, I I read two at some point as I was sort of slowly going through my backlog, and and I really enjoyed it. Like if you know, first I almost had the same feeling. I was like, I know I made this pick of the week, but this doesn't look like something I want to read. And then I started was like, All right, no, no, it's good. I like it. And, and I, part of it is that it's very. I mean, Mike Carey's, I don't know if people even know him anymore, but he, he's a, he's an old comics pro. Somebody actually asked me over Twitter, everything over the break was, you know, like, hey, should I read Lucifer? And I was like, hell yes, my God. Yeah, um, you you know, it, yeah, and, the, and the, the cover might say M.R. Carey, but that's Mike Carey as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> you can't change your name to me, Butch Geist. I just think that the storytelling has been really elegant and efficient. If you think about how much uh, space was covered in this issue from a, a one-night what stand. What's going on here? Yeah, I mean, even if it was just the one story that covered a lot of space and did it in a way that didn't feel sort of light, um, and I like how we're slowly getting, we're seeing the connections between the two stories. Is that the the name of the the boy who was born in the 1800s in Ireland? I think it's Ireland. Um, yep. Uh, you know, is the same name as the boy in the dollhouse, and you see that you know the girl's well, the, horrible time. The rooms in, are all like named after him. Like yeah, it's like his study and. And uh, when she has the little doll, what does she say? Um, it's a weird name, and that's why Cord Wiener will be sad if he yes. can't go back. So that's him. That's Cord Wiener. He yep. must be the owner of the doll. Or the patriarch. But, but they had named. But she also said, "I want to name him after my father." Yeah, it's all her grandfather. It's all. 
Yeah, I mean, Cord Wainer is the kid who's born, even uh, even though the the woman, the mother was barren, uh-huh. and then the, in the present day, the, wo- the woman has a baby, even though she takes the Plan B, and uh, so. Oh yeah, and put that together. So they and, they can't. There's a lot of elegant intertwining going on. A lot of really nice storytelling. I think that uh, it takes a lot of um, work for a, a artist to keep up with this sort of intricate plotting in a comic book. And I think the team of uh, Peter Gross and, and Vince Locke are doing a really good job with it. Um, it's just a, it's a it's you know it's not my favorite genre, but it's done really well and it, and it's compelling in that way. So I'm 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 really glad that I started reading it. And I'm gonna, I'm keeping it, keeping it up. And the art's really the art's really good. It's yeah. Vince Locke over Peter Gross's layouts and <laughs> it, the older stuff has this sort of Victorian look to it. Uh-huh. And then uh, the new stuff is very vertigo-y. It's I like I mean I had the same feeling you did. I was like I was like oh, I gotta read two of these. And then I was like oh I like the I like that. Right, and it's exactly that. I look, I hate the design, like of the cover, like the aesthetic that they're going with on all these. But uh, I was like, oh, it's good. What do you, want? you know, it, you know, Vertigo is really doing great stuff right now. It's true, they are. It's a Vertigo songs. Yeah, totally. Um, I wasn't gonna read Star Number One, and then when I was looking for something to do, and then we saw it was moving up in the patron pick arena, and I was like, oh, I'll just get to it anyway. Um, and I, I really actually quite enjoyed it. I didn't read anything that came from – that preceded it, whatever the Captain Marvel story is that created this this character where she has a reality gem uh, embedded in her. I guess it's one of the Infinity Stones or some offshoot of it. Um, no, it's, it's, it's the re- she has the uh, reality The actual stone. reality stone, right. OK, so she's got a bunch of power but uh, she lives in Queens and she, she doesn't have any money or a job and everyone hates her. And Captain Marvel tried to kill her but she didn't die. And that's where our story begins. Um, I actually didn't know, based on the cover, I was like, oh, it's another superhero. But apparently right now she is not a superhero, although it seems like she's trending in that way. I, it's funny because I did read those books, but I have no memory of them. Um, <laughs> I was like, wait, what happened? Oh, right. Kind of remember her. She was a character. In, like, I have a weird relationship with that Captain Marvel book. But um, this was a really interesting example of a book I thought was really well done, and I don't know that I want to read any more of it. Okay. You know what I mean? Like... I thought this was a really good issue. It was strong. Yes, it was. It was Kelly Thompson's writer, Javier Pina, uh, did most of the art. Felipe Andrade did the flashback. And it looked really good. And yeah, it did. I thought the character work was great. She she goes to Jessica Jones for help, which doesn't go well. And Scarlet Witch shows up. I don't know that Scarlet Witch showing up and cursing really made sense. But I'm just not used to it. But uh, I read it. I was like, yeah, this is really, that was really fun. Do I need to read yeah. more? I don't know. I don't know. Well... A couple of things. Um, I think Kelly Thompson for me has been hit or miss. I've liked some of the things she's done quite a lot, and I've really not liked some of the things that she's done. Um, but when Jessica Jones showed up, I was reminded that um, she wrote that – I think it was maybe a digital-only series, um, the Purple Man uh, Jessica Jones story, which was great. It was really, really good. Um, and so I saw like this was a character she was going to go back to, and I found that uh, to be compelling. Well, that, that uh, was the best scene because – Star, so Star has the reality stone, fucking stone, uh-huh. reality gem in her, and uh, that allows her to to sort of shape reality to her whim. And if you think about it, it's very similar power to the Purple Man. So when she goes to Jessica Jones yeah. and tries to force Jessica Jones to do what she wants, basically to help her, mm-hmm. uh, that really pisses off Jessica Jones. Um, and until they, until they mentioned, until she yeah. mentioned why, I was like, wow, that's great. It's a great bit of subtle. Storytelling. And then I thought so. I, I noticed it right away. I thought that's. Then, then of course, cool. they had to mention. Um, but yeah, uh, and it was interesting because she's not the purple man. So she says basically, uh, "You really want to help me more than anything," and so that she thinks uh-huh. she's got her. But then Jessica's like, "I do really want to help you now, but also I have room for my heart for other things like punching you." Like so, it doesn't like take over her mind. It puts this thing into her head that she needs to do, but she also needs to do other things. Well, that was an interesting twist on the mind control yeah. thing. Yep. Um, it was. Look, I'm not. I'm, I might be talking myself into reading the second issue right here because I did. I did really like this. So it's good. It was shockingly good. And Captain Marvel has been really, which Kelly Thompson also writes, has been a roller coaster. Like there's been some really uh-huh. fun arcs and some really boring arcs. So I'm still reading it. And I just this this might be a better issue than what we've read in Captain Marvel. Well, what put me over the top to this too is that I saw the the two artists involved, and I thought those are those are two great artists. And even as I'm flipping through it now, like it's a good looking book. Yeah, it is. It's really nice. Um, so the one Philippe Andrade, I can't talk about it. Andrade, page, it's terrific. Yeah, really terrific. Yep, 
Here's my question. I do have one question. Uh, there's a page where a girl in black hair walks in with a hoodie and says, I found an infinity stone. Then somebody says, but no donuts. Who are those people? Where, what, what number? Are we They're doing? in the East Village. We're at page 17 on your digital reader. Okay. They're playing. Uh, I don't know who that is. That's, that's, okay. probably the, that's probably the um, – I don't know. I don't know. Well, the girl in the back who is finishing her Chinese food is about to go out to a club. So, so there's uh, that. It's Saturday night. Sure. In the East Village, it's always Saturday night. Uh, I don't know. I assume that's that'll be revealed as as something else. Okay. I don't know what that is. It's fine. Didn't didn't is it literally one page. I literally forgot that happened. Like I remember reading it, going, "Oh, interesting." And then it, then it moved on to Jessica Jones, and I immediately forgot everything about that. <clears throat> that makes sense. Uh, over uh, in the world of Dynamite, um, I I don't know if this is officially the twelfth issue of Red Sonia, but or the end, but. I saw chapter 12 and I go, I bet this is it. Uh, and it definitely ended the story that we've been reading for 12 issues. And I thought when I started this, I thought, you know what? For sure, this is almost definitely going to be the pick of the week. I have loved this series. I would go as far as to say it's definitely been one of my favorite series over the last year over its publishing, which has been very regular and not every two weeks. So every month, uh, really, A I mean, obviously. year of Red Sonia. Yeah. What which, are the odds? That's, that's new. Really consistent art, even though they juggled a couple of teams between uh, Mirko Kolek and, and Bob Q, or whatever it is his name is now. Um, Robert Quinn. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Y'all know me. You know how I draw a comic. Um, and I liked it, and I enjoyed it, and I think everything that I liked about the series was present here. I did feel like it wrapped up very quickly as we got near the end. Um, yeah, I was, I was trying to think about it, because like, I don't know how you how else you wrap up a... Sometimes I'll watch a movie and, you know, an action movie or whatever, and the, the good guy, the bad guy, finally meet, and then the fight ends. And you're like, well, that was quick. But you're like, well, how else is it supposed to, you know? Sure, they yeah. They punch each other for an hour and a half. So it's like, you know, there's an attack. The forces finally turn on the emperor. And uh, and then, the you know, it, just, it is what it is. I, th- I thought I thought the way that the emperor gets it was funny. Yes. Or not not just funny, but also like, appropriate because <laughs> I do I do like that the one guy I like that it was like completely uh, um, spontaneous the one, the one guy just stabs him there he goes what, what are you doing he's like I, I don't know I just panicked well because he's like kills him. Funny, like you two guards who's la- basically his last two yeah. guards alive form a defensive perimeter which made me laugh because yeah what are they going to do because the whole army and so then the other guard just stabs him because he, he, he and, and you know that's 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 what history has shown like you know, when the tyrant reaches the end of his rope, his his men will turn on him because what else are they going to do? I mean, the whole thing was, and that was the whole point of the issue was be be yeah. If you're good to your pawns, because it's a whole chess metaphor. If you're good to your pawns, right. then if you look after your pawns, then you'll be fine. Yeah, and he didn't the whole look after thing his was, was it was a treatise on leadership and uh, you know and war and and you know empires and it was a lot of very heady philosophical stuff going through here and I, I think I don't think a, like a big plot twist or something at the end or some sort of surprise really would have served it it was you know we've gone through the match and here's the end of the game and this is how it ends and I'm fine with that and I, I enjoyed it I will look back very fondly I can't imagine they're going to keep going or at least you know like this will be the thing it is but I will look back very fondly on this story for a long time, but it wasn't like a, a, a bang pow ending where you're like, wow, man, that really wrapped it up. It just, it, you're right. It just, it ended like it was supposed to. And he has a big chili pepper hat. Um, and it's important to note that he has a big chili pepper hat, which I don't think was around for a little while. And I saw it and I remember it. I was like, right, there's that. Um, yeah. it's, I mean, who'd have thought, you know? I mean, this is a very Mark Russell book. It's also a very not Mark Russell book. We've talked Agreed. about that before. It's it's not quite as wacky, although it is, but not to the level of his other books, but it also brings a level of thoughtfulness that you don't normally see in these kind of books. Oh, it's, it's a level of thoughtfulness that we haven't seen since Snagglepuss. That's true. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, like like really, really, really impressive and entertaining at the same and time. Like that's, great that's, art, that's, which is normally the problem with these books. It's, yes, absolutely. It's usually not up to par with the writing, but here it is. Hundred percent. I'm glad we. I mean, obviously we read this, but I'm glad to have taken this journey because it was a fun one. Yeah. Wow. And, and totally unexpected. Who'd have thought? You know. So did you read Batman '86? No. You no, I did it. not. You didn't end up reading it. You know what? I, I, I. The names involved are not names that excite me in any way. Uh-huh. 
not not like oh this is crap just I, you know and i i asked you i was like well is it is it what i would expect from that and you're probably like yeah that's pretty much what it was no you asked me should i read it and i said sure now that's that not was, like oh yes that's well, you know sure because i know you're gonna read it because sure. how my voice sounds sure was about as good as you get from any question for me right now sure um, <laughs> so this is the first issue of the new direction for Batman. Sell it to me then. Go the, for it. Uh, this is DC's top book. And so now we have James Tinney in the fourth and Tony S. Daniel with anchor Danny Mickey. So you missed out on an anchor this week. Good anchor. He's a good anchor. He's for sure. Um, and the fact of the matter is James Tinney in the fourth is a solid journeyman writer who will occasionally do something I really like, but for the most part, does okay work, and he usually overwrites it. He's from the, he's from Scott Snyder's school, like literally. He's yeah. And uh, Tony S. Daniel is a f- competent artist whose style I don't love. Uh, I mean, all of the things you said just made me think. You know, the the uh, say what you will about Tom King's run, uh, and we will discuss it at some point uh, after I finish it and have a chance to think about it. You know, like even if I didn't love all of it, I I like the thought behind it. And I feel like the way that all of this went down, DC was like, all right, we need to make a change back to our house style. And I don't care about it. Like I knew it. That's tell me if I'm wrong, if that's what it was, if that's what it felt like. Well, from an art side, sure. For certain. He's, I mean, Just from Tony a story, Daniel, from all of Daniel's it. definitely within the Jim Lee house style. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually really like this. Um, okay. This is some of the better work Tinian's done. It wasn't really overwritten that badly. And I think, if anything, uh, there's two things going on here. Number one, I think there is a, there was probably a thought of, let's get back to sort of classic Adventure. comics. Because Tom King may be a book that we really like overall. We'll talk about that at some point. But it didn't light up the sales charts. It was still I think it was still DC's number one book, but it came way down in the sales from where it started. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not a mainstream style. No, and and yeah, no. And so obviously, I'm attracted to that. So <laughs> if you're an editor of DC, you're like, we probably need to get back to basics with Batman. I can see yeah. that. And that's yeah, not totally. talking about the quality of it. That's just sort of looking at the business side of it. Now the other thing is, it's impossible to get out of the back of your head the notion that DC is getting get rid of all their heroes. And so, and that's probably why Tom King was asked to move his st- his story to a different book. And so, this is always in the back of my head reading these comics, which is annoying because I don't this I don't like that I know that I stop. I'm not reading any more blogs. That's my New Year's resolution. I don't want to know anything. So, in the back of my mind, I'm always like, well, where is this leading? Because if they're just going to get rid of Bruce Wayne, then I'm not going to be interested in that. Unfortunately, put that aside. Just this issue, it was good. And I also don't like the Alfred thing, which we'll talk about again at some point, I'm sure. But in this issue, Bruce is haunted by the death of Alfred. He's remembering conversations he used to have about Alfred saying, why don't you take all this money and, you know, really invest it in Gotham and build, build the Gotham you want, you want to see. And so Wayne Enterprises is, is in the midst of a construction boom and he's building a new Gotham, a Gotham that's, you know, you know, build, you know, fixing the slums, doing the things he could be doing with his billions of dollars instead of making more Batmobiles, which of course he's also doing. Um, so that was interesting. And then, so there's a whole point here where he's got a fundraise because he has a lot of money, but he can't do it all. And so there's a fundraiser scene that's kind of fun with the mayor and Selena's there and a bunch of tech douchebags. And and then he's got this new vehicle, which is like kind of like this weird, uh, I can't even figure out what the hell it is. It's like a weird hybrid exoskeleton slash glider and uh there's a bunch of you know that the world the, the world's best hitmen are in gotham so you got like cheshire and Mer- merlin and death deathstroke and he fights them and, i mean it was a very solid batman story that i i thought was well done it wasn't overwritten it it, it, it was interesting we'll see where it goes it, not a lot happened in here there was, a, there was a couple of scenes about bruce wayne a couple of fight scenes fight scene with deathstroke and and then one of Lucius Fox, and it was, and then it was over. It was, it wasn't as bad, I think, as you might be expecting, Josh. But I, it, it's solid. Yeah, but I don't it's really not, want. It's that. not going to blow your socks off, right? And so, what's the point? Well, 
You know, sometimes you just want to read about for me, yeah. for me. Yeah. And that's that's cool. I think that that's that's a perfect description of, uh, you know, an, there are other books that I would read that have that and I'd be fine with it. But with Batman, like if it's not really good, I don't find that. Kind of there's a backup that Denian wrote that Guillaume March drew that ties in sort of to the last backup with the Joker and uh, very, very similar to the Dark Knight in which the Joker has a, a group of a small group of his henchmen killing off his other henchmen who know knew the, all the ones who know the details of his upcoming big plot. And then he kills off those guys. The same, same, same plot as the opening of the dark Knight. Uh, -huh. but, uh, yeah, it was fine. It was good. I mean, it was a solid book. I wouldn't say like, wow, that was terrific. But I also wouldn't say, well, my, my, all my greatest fears were realized. So it's, it's, it's yeah. tough. It's tough. Will you remember it in the future though? No. Yeah. That's most comics. So most anything really. I know. Uh, uh, who knows what yeah. I'm actually going to get through it? And the other thing is, like, I'm, you know, my my big one, of my biggest criticism of Tom King's were around. I don't love the, the pairing of Batman and Catwoman in this manner. Uh -huh. So now she's like seems to be his permanent sidekick, which uh, I don't love. So that's neither here nor there, really. Yeah, yeah. There's always a bit where they have to shake off the thing that was done before. Well, I think it's the, I think they have to keep it because whatever's going on in the other book. Yeah. Know, which, which who knows when that'll ever come out. <laughs> Let's talk about the Netflix behind the scenes podcast. Take a little break here. So often you watch a show and you wonder, how did the writers develop that plot? Or what inspired a character's signature outfit? It took how many people to make that monster? On Netflix behind the scenes podcast, you get an exclusive look at how its biggest series are made. Find out how a season of your favorite show comes together from script to screen. Season one of the podcast brought you to Hawkins, Indiana, and uncover the magic of Stranger Things' third season. Now season two will venture to the continent, the world of The Witcher, with a three-part miniseries. In this new season of Behind the Scenes, takes you to the adaptation of Andrew Spikowski's best-selling books and into the world of Netflix original series The Witcher. So how did the writers, cast, and crew take almost 3,000 pages of original material and bring this fantastical world to life? The series will explore the characters of Geralt of Rivia, Yennefer of Yennerberg, Cerulea, the lion cub of Sintra, in detail. Featuring everyone from executive producers to the cast to sword masters, this is your ticket to a deeper understanding of The Witcher. Host Brandon Jenkins takes you through the adaptation process from the writer's room all the way to your screen. I think uh, that's really cool. I was thinking about this, this the other day as I was walking. I was walking the dog. I'm walking the dog a lot. That's when I think. And how almost 20 years ago, 15 years ago, uh, DVDs and... Uh, you know, the extra features and the commentary were a thing. I will still sometimes buy some physical media, things I really love. Well, I'll grab on, on Blu-ray. Um, I can't remember the last time I listened to a commentary, though. It's, I think it's still on there. Um, but I think that this as a way, you know, of creating a podcast like this is a really interesting way to sort of provide that in the yeah. sort of new media landscape. I was like, oh, I used to really like commentaries, but it's hard – it's so much. It's it's hard to fit it all in. I think this is a really cool way. You know, I mean, a it's, you know, good on Netflix for sort of engaging people to get more engaged with the, the the you know the many shows that they're doing. But but two, just a it's a more modern way of sort of getting that information across. Yeah, most people, I, mean, I, I buy Blu-ray still, but most people don't. And so now, yeah. how, do you, how do you keep that content going? And how do you keep people engaged behind the scenes? And this is something people really enjoy learning about. And so this is a great yeah. way to do it. Um, yeah, for sure. So new episodes of Behind the Scenes are out now with new episodes weekly. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. That's Netflix Behind the Scenes Podcast, Season 2, The Witcher. Miles Morales, the end, number one. Uh, I have no idea what this came from or what it was. It felt like it was a one-shot. Um, we go into the far future, Silent and Ahmed, who is a regular writer of the Miles Morales um, uh, uh, series and Damien Scott, a name that I was, I was like, oh, I, I know this name, and I believe he drew the Batgirl book Batgirl. that I love. Yeah, back way back, um, yeah, way back in the it, early two thousands. It, it had that same kind of energy and style. Super fun uh, to look at. Well, Marvel's done a bunch of the end specials about the, oh, okay. uh, the final story of the character. He's great. Is that what it that was, was, this was? Yeah, so like you're in the future, some shit's gone down in the whole world, but but Brooklyn has a dome over it, and so it really codifies that you know we are Brooklyn kind of thing, you know, like uh, into a much more real 
thing where, you know, they have to be Brooklyn because they have to stick together because they're surviving in a harsher world. And, you know, people, you know, bad guys break in and they have to fight them off. And, you know, this whole time Miles Morales has sort of become the uh, – not like a Black Panther, like the leader and the spiritual leader of all the people. And he's just a great sort of leader – uh, you know, head of everybody, and he makes sure that the kids have toys, and and you gotta have fun sometimes too. Uh, you know, really nice one shot here. There's you know story. I I think I I thought about making this pick of the week. Um, for sure. Um, it's fun that that Damian Scott art, man. I, I that uh, if you haven't, was, that, he was so good in that Batgirl book. I remember. If you haven't read that Batgirl book, that's one of my favorite sort of extended Batman stories in the the modern age for sure. Um, that was during that great period where all of his side books were terrific. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Um, so that's worth checking out if you have not. Um, then over the break, I'm going to keep saying that, I guess, for at least another couple of weeks. And then I apparently will now hopefully never Until have to say catch it. Up. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I just I just counted. I'm not there yet. Uh, this this week was also the small week was a bit of a problem, but also what a gift. Um <laughs> I read Butcher of Paris uh, number two. Yeah. Now, I had grabbed Butcher of Paris number one at some point and thought, I think I will like this, well, and then forgot this, it. This came out the week you, you missed uh, when yes. Jamski came on, the very last show of last year, uh, The Butcher of Paris number one, which was a true crime, it's a true story of a serial killer who was working in Paris during the occupation. Yeah. And I was like, I was reading it, and we talked about the show. I was like, damn, Josh. Oh, it was actually, it was a Patriot pick, but... Josh, yeah. I was like, Josh, really, this is really missed out. This is kind of kind of books he wants. Uh-huh. And so here we are. Well, I, I had noticed it, and I grabbed it, and I was actually really happy that I looked, and I was like, oh, good, I have number one right here. So I read number two and number number one and number two right in a row. Um, I think I liked the first issue a little bit better, but oh, the second one. I like the second gave, issue better. The second one gave you a little clarity. It doesn't matter. I liked it. I liked the way that it was done. I, I liked that. It, it, I know it's a true story, but it's done in the style. Like they, they found some characters for us to latch on to. It, it, I mean, if, if nothing else, I, I don't know how you do not find 1944, you know, Octavius <clears throat> is the most interesting goddamn thing ever. Because what you don't ever see is the lives of the people who are actually still living in the place who kind of have to go about their normal lives, but while they're under Nazi occupation, which I find fascinating. Well, yeah, this, this issue opens up with three kids playing in the Seine. Yeah. And first of all, was it clean enough back then? Because it certainly isn't now. Um, <laughs> and they stumble, they stumble upon a uh, chest, which, of course, they're like, let's dig it up. It could have treasure. And I was like, it doesn't have treasure in it. Every time um, you're a boy and you stumble upon a chest, there's a body in it. I know that much from real life and fiction. But also, you know, before that, I was like, I had the same thought because they're under Nazi occupation, but they're playing and they're just horsing around in the river. And I was like, I guess... Guess, what would have to happen? I guess you you're know. not always under a boot heel with a gun pointed at you, at least, you know, literally. Right. That's really interesting. Um, and then uh, the, the Dean Coates art is terrific, I think, for yes. this, this book. Stephanie Phillips, we talked about last time. I don't. I think she's a new writer. I think she's the second she was better than the first for me. Yes. Uh, mostly because yeah. the, the little description on the title page, mm-hmm. in the first issue totally spoiled the whole issue. So that may be why I like the second issue better because I didn't know what was coming. Right. Um, but it's in, it's really interesting, and it's interesting in as we talked about with Jim that it's not like a who done it because we know who done it from the very yeah. beginning. It's more like having to catch this guy, and while you're doing and you're trying to do it, while the Nazis are not necessarily getting in the way because they also want to catch him, but they want to catch him for different reasons. So it's like uh-huh. there's two parallel investigations going. There's the French detectives, and then there's the Nazis, and uh, there's a creepy mask, and they find a creepy room and. And uh, it was and it, it was good. You know, it's one of those H. H. Holmes things. Yeah. You know, where you know he's masquerading as a good guy, and because of the very unique circumstances, he's able to get away with it. It's part I of mean, resistance. Yeah, that's amazing. Really, I, really well written. I, I like. I don't remember which one is it. I guess it was the end of the first issue. She had written a, um, yeah, you know, an essay about why. Yeah. And and I was I was I was like I'm all in. This is this is fantastic. Oh, totally. And I was like, you know. As again, as we talked about before, I was like, I had no idea this this happened. This is totally yeah, no, exactly world and oh, the fact that it's true is great. Yeah, I mean the overall the overall story is true. Not, the, the not real. The killer's it's, true. It's not right. <laughs> right. No, but I mean, it's it's the, the, the I assume the rest of the characters are fictionalized, but uh, <laughs> and you know who doesn't love Nazis being assholes? I mean, obviously in, in fiction, not in real life. Um, yeah, we're we're putting a line here when we say right. things like that. Um, anyway, I liked it. Um, 
Over the break, I read issues two through four of RG nine fifty five this week. Issue four came out, and it's basically the story of Archie as Elvis, and uh, written by Brian Augustin and Mark Wade, who both wrote Flash in the nineties. And uh, every issue has been a different artist. Derek Charm did this one. That's been one of my only complaints about the series. But as an allegory, it's been fun. It's a bit on the nose, but whatever. It's Archie. Uh, you know, Veronica's father, Mister Lodge, is his captain, Tom Parker, and. Colonel Tom Parker. At this point in his career, by issue four, he is locked into Hollywood where he's making all these schlocky movies. He's in a, he's in a five-year contract to make ten movies, and they're not good movies. He's not getting to work with anybody that he admires. It's all about turning out schlocky musicals that the kids love. and He's trapped in his gilded cage in Malibu and just just needs to find something real. I just, I, it's, it's totally silly, but... I've really been enjoying it as a as a different. We discussed this before. They did they did an Archie in the '40s book where he went to war. Mm-hmm. This is already the Archie in the '50s where he's a he's a musical star. So it's fun to take a look at Archie in these, through these different lenses and play with the world a bit. And you know, it's fun. Let's move along to uh, the patron pick. Uh, the way that this works is if you are a supporting uh, patron of iFanboy, which you can handle uh, over at uh, patreon.com slash iFanboy, uh, then every week you will get a chance to vote on a book that uh, you will, will force us, will make us read and discuss. Well, you know, it, it's adding it to the rundown. You can look at it as a as a. I'm nice not – I don't – I don't mean that as as a negative, but it it is a non. It is compulsory. We are not. That's true. We are not given it. You must read this book. Um, you know, and I'd say, would you say more times than not, it turns out pretty okay. I mean, I've, I haven't run the numbers. I haven't done an analysis. It's, it's, but I, I know. I'm, I'm asking you to go off the gut. I think. I feel like know, it's you know about half the time or more. It's at least fifty fifty where we I'd enjoyed a book versus book we didn't enjoy. Right. Uh, the, the the book this week was Marvel's X number one. Um, this is a, a sh- uh, an offshoot of Earth X, uh, which is in itself a shootout of Marvels. I didn't uh, I didn't know that till the very end. Um, but yeah, I think I think this is the year of Marvels. Is this the anniversary? The twenty or twenty fifth anniversary, they're, I think. They're doing a bunch of uh, books that tie into Marvels this year, so it must be the, this year the anniversary. Last year we had the the uh, return of Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross to come to do a one shot. Oh yeah, <laughs> what happened during Comic Con? And this year, uh, we're doing a bunch of these. Um, Mainstream comics likes nothing more but to celebrate or at least demarcate an anniversary of anything. Sure. Uh, in any in any way. Um, so uh, you've got uh, Alex Ross and Jim Kruger. Uh, story by Alex Ross. Script by Jim Kruger. I think story by both of them. Um, Which is it, how I think EarthX was. Yes, that's exactly how EarthX was. On um, that art, on that story long ago, was by John Paul Leon, uh, and this was by uh, the color and art was by Wellbe, W E L L hyphen B E E, which cool. so that's yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, you're, you always correct me on this, but I'm going to give a shot at it. Uh, we have a, sort of a semi-post-apocalyptic world where a, a disease of some sort seems to be um, infecting people all over and they get scabbed all over and then come out with superpowers uh, but not in a good way or they die. And this is sort of the last bastion of this boy in his home as they lock themselves up. Uh, his grandmother dies and then both of his parents are gone uh, and his sister – uh, and he's the last one, and he says, "Well, I'm gonna go find the heroes." So he, you know, puts on a mask in his backpack, and he goes out um, to find the heroes. Uh, the world is full of crazy, superpowered people trying to kill everybody. It's not unlike a zombie apocalypse. Uh, he meets a truck driver uh, with tattoos all over his arms and a hat that says "No Fear." Uh, and uh, he said, "All right, I'll take you." Well, you know, they're they're starting their hitchhiking road trip uh, through the through the wasteland. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, the the kid is. Um he loves superheroes. The, the issue opens yeah. up with him playing like a Marvel like role playing game while his parents yeah. are watching the news, and so he's, he's always wearing a Captain America shirt or an Iron Man shirt or something. And yeah, so ironically, he's the only one in family who's not infected. But so I was really confused because I didn't, I like I said, I didn't know this was an EarthX offshoot until the very end when they said it. So I was trying to figure out: was this the Inhumans, like? What are we doing here? That's it did like, it did feel like the Inhumans gas thing that went around. It felt well, because they were all in cocoons. I thought this was the, I thought it was the Inhumans. Because again, I was like, 
is this this is in the Marvel's world? Like, what is what part of history is this? So I was very confused by the not knowing from the beginning that this was part of EarthX. Um, I didn't like EarthX. I read it back then. I didn't like it. Um, so I was like, okay, well, I don't really care about that. But uh, but the story itself, this as this of this kid who's trying to survive, who has to go out into the world to get food, and he has to wear a green goblin mask because. He'd be a target for if, he, if people think he didn't have powers, and so um, it was interesting. It was like you said, it was kind of like The Walking Dead in the Marvel universe without being yeah. about zombies. And I thought the art from Welby was was good. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it, it definitely. Uh, I think it was reminiscent of the John Paul Leon Earth X That's art. The hell yeah, yeah. And when I think back, by the way, I didn't. I don't think I liked or disliked it so much. I don't remember it. All I remember at this point is that like it looked really good. So at this point, I see John Paul Leone on something. I'm like, oh right, yeah, yeah, that's right. Kind of, yeah. You're absolutely right. Gray. That's all. Two two things I remember about it. Um, but I feel like this art definitely filled that space. You know, it was like uh, it was like John Paul Leone mixed with uh, like good Brent Anderson almost. It's it's, it was a good looking book. Yep. And story-wise, like I said, it was interesting for what it was. Um, but again, I was like three-quarters of the way through. I was like, what is going on here? Because, again, Marvel's is all about celebrating the history of Marvel Comics. So I was trying to figure out how this fit in, and it was blowing my mind. And I was on a lot of cold medicine, so that might have <laughs> affected it. But um, So it's tough because in the end, you know, I don't, I'm not going to read more of it. Are you not? No, I mean, because I, I, just, I just don't care about the Earth X stuff. As I, I dug it. I think uh, as a thing, I didn't really know what to expect, and now I'm always looking for some. So like I, I find I'm hoping that there's some interesting mystery to the truck driver. Yeah. You know, I was like, is this Captain America? Do I do I? Is that what's going on here? That was sort of my first thought. Um, right. You, you expect it to be somebody. It's like Johnny Blaze, or you know, who like what? Yeah. That? I you know, but yeah, I was I was pretty interested in. It. I almost uh, this this had a, an outside shot at pick of the week. I think just it because it wasn't was bad diff- at all. It was interesting. Yeah, it's just it's just investigating a world that I'm not necessarily into. So mm-hmm. ratings, I guess, on Marvel's X number one ratings out of five stars. Um, I mean, it's a solid like three, three and a half. I was go- I'm saying three point seven five. All right, so I'm gonna go. <laughs> so you're going to stick with it? Yeah, I'm going to read the next one. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I'm probably not. I mean, if it comes out another week like this, maybe. But what are the odds? Of I, I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, if it's a man, I'll let you know. If not, I think that's totally fair. That's fine. Okay. So you go know, patreon.com slash ifanboy. That's where you can go to vote to add a book to the rundown. And now that we're back, I, enjoy, I always enjoy watching the votes come in. You do. He does. I mean, you. He he's on it the whole. He's like, here's what. Here's where we are. He's keeping stats. He's he's going with it. I just like just tell me when it's over. It's all I need to know. I don't well, want I'll a horse keep race. You up to date in case you need to read the book early. No, I, I know. I appreciate it. This is this book won pretty handily, and so you know it's good to know early on so you can get the book out of the way. That's that's always good. But I, I had read it anyway. This was one I I grabbed it. I mean, it was a light week, but still. Um, Patreon.com slash iFanboy is where you can uh, become eligible to make that vote. Um, but also it's it's a way to just say I like this thing uh, that you guys are doing, and I want to help support it because that's how this kind of works. Um, uh, it is it is pretty much the most important part of our our, our fundraising efforts for sure uh, to keep this thing going for decade and a half, uh, <laughs> which is crazy. Uh, the next stretch goal uh, we've talked about this before. We we made some progress towards it. Uh, we're going to uh, if we re- if we reach that level, we're going to uh, add in a monthly non comics media podcast, and we will be uploading all of the full length video shows and minis to our YouTube channel and re embed those on the website uh, so that the full back catalog will be available to the best of our ability. Um, you can also find yourself over at ifanboy.threadless.com. That's our t-shirt store. Uh, there are currently seven designs there. You can – not just t-shirts. You can get them put on all sorts of things that Threadless manufactures. Uh, you can have that that great stuff put on. Um, nothing makes sense. Nothing matters. It's probably a personal favorite. Although after the Golden Globes, the GDAT shirt should be making a resurgence. That is true. <laughs> My wife turns to me and she goes – is do you do you consider Tom Hanks a, a goddamn American treasure? And I was like, Lindsay, he's he's the goddamn American treasure. <laughs> he's the he's, he's the one. 
he's the urgy dad. He's he's GDAP Prime. Uh, you can go over to ifanboy.com slash support. Um, or you can uh, – if you want to issue all of that, you can just make a direct PayPal donation if that's a thing that you want to do. Throw a little something in the tip jar or a lot because we haven't brought this up in a while. But I just – I need to be sure that people still know the random billionaire beneficiary or uh, uh, not beneficiary, the opposite of that. Um, like for example, Tom Steyer who sends me email every single – or not email, mail, physical mail every single day announcing his candidacy for president. What if instead – he gave that money to me. Right. To the show. Connor. To the show. To the show. To the to, to keep this thing going. We could do it in the end, better if we had the stare money. It's <laughs> let's look into that. I mean, <laughs> let's think about that, Tom Stare. Otherwise you're just you're just letting it on fire. I'm perfectly willing to be part of the George Soros com- conspiracy. Absolutely. If he's willing to if he's willing to bankroll it. That's the point. Mayor Bloomberg. Let's talk about it. <laughs> and I think we're doing the the public a, a good here too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Two birds, one stone. Where's the Ross Perot? Uh, <laughs> there must be a, a trust somewhere. Right. We'll get into that too. That's the point, though. Yeah. Uh, that's what we're about. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you, uh, need, if, you, if you want to have a more productive use of your money, billionaires. Yeah, we. we you know, if nothing else, we're going to show up on time. That's we're going to be. We're going to be entertaining. You're going to get some return for your investment. We're going to show up not on time. Monetary return. Look at some entertainment. No, return. no, definitely not monetary. We've proven that time and time again. <laughs> You'll get some entertainment return, though. And really, what's this life is hard and short. Let's let's have, let's have fun while we're here. <laughs> then you can get to ifanboy.com slash Amazon where you'll find links uh, to the books that we talk about, uh, pick of the weeks so and the book explodes, and a general link uh, for Amazon purchasing uh, that you would do that can help out the show very indirectly and easily on your part. Uh, for example, you need uh, parts to fix your, fix your vacuum, which is what I got this week. Uh, oh, the great internet retailer. Um, and we'll see if I can take a vacuum apart and put it back together to be more functional than it had been before. This is turning into a very ironic conversation. Yep, that's what we do. That's, that's, the, kind of, that's the kind of thing you're going to get with a Stayer endowment. That's right. More of that. The Tom R. Stair Foundation. And, and finally, if if th- if you do become a patron, if you give it the five dollar or higher level a month, uh, we add you to the list to the queue to receive your very own patron superpower that we sometimes make up ahead of time. We sometimes make up on the spot, but now is the point in the show where we do that. And and God forbid we run out of these. I know that you'd be upset, right. dear listener. Um. So the irony of what you just said about the vacuum is that Eric Smith's power. Uh-huh. Is that he can take apart anything and know immediately how it works. Wow. Yeah, it's not like Forge. You can't build anything. Uh-huh. But if you took apart your vacuum, you'd immediately know, okay, this is how this works. This this goes, oh, here's the problem. This part's broken. He knows anything mechanical he could take apart and knows intimately how it works and how to fix it. So he's just a very, very good mechanical engineer. But he's had no formal training. I see. But he could put it back together. Like Like it's not just a, a theoretical... Sort of not like I know how that works, but I'm fumble fingers with a screwdriver. Yeah. I don't know a Phillips from a flathead, man. I mean, that's part of the that's part of the learning curve, Eric. He, he knows see. how it should be done. He just can he do it? Okay, that's that's how I work actually. <laughs> that's a great a great number of things in my house are, are functioning on that principle or not functioning, as the case may be. Like for example, I installed the car stereo uh, in my wife's car. Uh, which was her birthday present. Her birthday was well over a month ago. Just got it working, except the steering wheel controls, which I still can't figure out how to make work, even though everything seems right. I thought you were going to say you installed the the stereo, and now the steering wheel doesn't work. That would be more problematic than where we're at. It's just slightly more interesting. Like, how did I do that? I I mean, listen, I've been there. I'm impressed. Yeah. I mean, there's not – that's – yeah. There's unforeseen consequences. That'll happen. Jonathan Shearer – Jonathan Shearer is not immune to illness. However, when an illness is coming on, he is able to distribute um, the symptoms in the way that he would most like. Okay. So, like, imagine like a video game that, you know, where you put like all the power into strength or intelligence or ability. So, if he's got a cold, he can put all of the symptoms into a stuffy nose and take them all away from sore throat or, or, or take away points from nausea. And and give it to 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 the fever. He's still got to use 
You still got to have the sickness, but he can control the symptoms of that and the value of those symptoms uh, in a given illness. I was trying very consciously to not do any sick-related powers, but that's a good one. Thank you. Thank you. Well, the other – I was thinking that I've had this terrible cold. It's just short of debilitating me. It will not go away. But you know, I don't have the uh, – stuffy nose. I've had some sneezing, but it didn't have like, like the horrible coughing, which I hate. So I thought, oh, that's, that's – anyway, I don't like to explain it, but I did it. That's why – that's part of this illness. I am definitely stupid right now. Jared Loyster, he knows where all the wood comes from. Any given piece of wood. Right. So like uh, do you have any wood furniture near you? I mean I assume that underneath this couch is – I mean the, the house is generally made of wood also. So he could, he could come into your house and he could uh, – Run a hand lovingly along one of your beams and th- mm-hmm. say, "Oh, this 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 is a this is a solid piece of oak." Massive. It's a it's a Massachusetts timber. Came from the, the valleys of New Hampshire. He could point out exactly where the forest it came from, where it came from. Type of tree. Yeah, he knows like the origins. It's almost like chew, like uh-huh. you know the food with chew. Like he right. He knows, but he's that with wood. Boy, there's a lot of IKEA left over in here, and I feel like that would probably be pretty scary. He wouldn't. Yeah, that'd be bad. But yeah. uh, he, 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 if you want, can he those, do it with? Can he do a chipboard, particle board, MDF? He has a seizure. <laughs> That's tough in this world too, because there's a lot of that around. He needs to only be around natural woods. Okay. Yeah. Full grain, full real hard, yeah, original wood. Uh huh. That's nice. That's good. Do you remember? Long ago, there was a sketch. Uh, Nicholas Cage was hosting Saturday Night Live, and in that sketch, he became Tiny Elvis. Well, well, J- Jason, Jay Sternitsky has a little cup that he carries around with him. In it is Tiny Elvis. In a cup? Yeah, yeah. And he has to be careful because if he takes Tiny Elvis out of the cup, he just can't stop remarking how huge everything is. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Tiny Elvis lives in the cup, only 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 knowing the cup. Yeah, he's in the cup. I mean, he can he can be let out. Imagine like you know you have a pet bug or whatever, and you have a cup. It's got little holes, and Jay carries them around. You know, theoretically, you would think that there would be some benefits to having a tiny Elvis in a cup with you. You know, even if it's just, hey, sing me a little something, tiny Elvis. You know, and so just down in the cup, you know, it just you know, he has tiny Elvis in a cup, but he can't see above the cup to see all the huge things. Not when he has the lid on. Oh. It's got a lid. Yeah, it's got, he's got a cup that he, that he carries Tiny Elvis around. He can take the lid off. You could let Tiny Elvis – Tiny Elvis isn't unhappy about this. Sure. Oh, man, put me back in the cup, man. Let's go. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's fun for everyone. So, How are you doing down there, Tiny? How are you doing down there, Tiny? No, i man. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go. If you give it the $5 higher level, you get your own superpower. Just like Eric, Jonathan, Jared, and Jay. Um, Let, we're at let's a, go to we're, listener mail. We're at a, we're at we're at the edge here. Yeah, so let's leave uh, the first question for a time that we have more time to do it because I think it's a good conversation. I don't want to give a short shrift. Um, and we're going to do our best with this this question from Ken. All right. Ken says, "I need a good. This is this is the hard part. Pre nineteen sixties." non-superhero collected edition or graphic novel to purchase for my cousin. What are some of your favorites? Favorite is spelled with a U, right. which tells me that he's not from America. Favorites. Probably probably England, possibly Canada. Could be Australia and other places that have been colonized. Um, so pre-50s, so far pre-60s, so we're talking about pre-60s. 40s and 50s, golden age, the golden age comics. Non-superhero collected editions or graphic novels. That's tough because there's not a lot collected from that era. It's it's true. Um, and I don't know that I have specific stuff for you, but I do have some very specific ideas that I think that I would go for were I you. First off is the spirit. Uh, Will Eisner's – That's superhero. Is it? I yeah, feel that that's he, more – He wears a costume. He's a pulp hero. But I at tend the very to least think – At the very least, he's, he's a pulp, a pulp hero. hero. It's not super powered in in nature. It is just a be- like beautifully graphically designed. I mean, really, that's the, that's what I tend to think of is that this is creating the language of 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 uh, visual storytelling and art. And I just think of those uh, those beautiful 
um, you know, title pages and the way that all that's drawn. And, and there's just there's no way around the fact that that is really beautiful stuff. And it's not like it's not like Superman, Batman, silly no, stuff. And it's not it's on the edge. It's not done for kids. I understand that. That's the first thing I go for. Second thing that I would go for would be to look into sort of old EC Comics war comics. Yeah. Um, really just beautiful. Um, the stuff I want to say, you know, William Gaines published that stuff. Um, Russ Heath kind of stuff like that. Um, and at the same time, um, the, the same kind of EC uh, horror comics. I feel like that is the stuff from the fifties, especially that is really going to stand out. Um, and, and it's, it'll be something for you that's appreciable today. I've, you know, the, you know honestly, the golden age superhero stuff that I've read a little tough. Um, so in that fact, the fact that there's no superhero stuff, that's what I would definitely go for. If you can, you know, find a little like, Wallywood, Wallywood sci-fi kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, Al Williamson sort of art. There's a lot of really good stuff, but I, you know, as far as the books, but those are the names that I would go with and start going in, in that way. Um, I have a collection, um, of wits end comics, which is a whole Wallywood thing, which I don't know if it's all pre sixties, but there's definitely stuff in there. I mean, if um, you like, if you like, uh, horror that there's been a lot of, that's obviously not surprisingly been with the focus of the reprints of that era. So like dark horse did a whole line of EC archives. Uh, oh yeah. There you go. And Fanagraphics did a whole, uh, EC artist library reprints. These were about, uh, six or seven years ago. So the, the horror, the, the EC horror books have been pretty well re- reprinted. Um, the, the Wallywood artist edition is terrific, but it's gigantic and expensive. But it's a good look into that era. It's a tough because not a lot of reprints of that stuff. Um, uh-huh. There's a different kind of comic for the, the market now, so there's not there's not been a whole. What was uh, I can actually see it from here, but I'm tethered up. What was the the comics? Uh, they were drawn during the war. Um, it's like a two book volume and it's the two soldiers names and oh, their satire comics. <laughs> that was, um, that was not comics that was done in the, those were comic strips done for the, yeah. uh, in the war. Uh, fuck. Um, I have the same volume. I know them very intimately. I just can't think of the name right now. Uh, I mean, it's not comic books in the stri- in the sense, no, they're, but they're one, they're one, one issue, one image. Yeah. They're, they're, they're strips. one strip. Yeah. Willie and Joe. Willie and Joe. That's the one. I'm, I'm willing to count that because I think that um, oh, those are amazing. I yeah. I had a collection as good as Bill Malden. I had a collection. Bill Malden. There you go. I had a soft cover collection that I read over and over and over and over and over as a kid, and then uh, I don't know, was it ten years not ten years ago? Was it maybe six or seven years ago? They put out a, a beautiful collection of hardcover collection of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's a different kind of comic. But it's still in terms of artistry, incredible. Yeah, uh, they were published in the um, Stars and Stripes and things like that for the, for the soldiers. Syndicated, those, they were syndicated you know, papers as well. For my money, uh, the, those fifties uh, war comics specifically. You know, as you're talking about guys who are who are working through their World War II and Korean War stuff. Um, Eleven really, years ago, that collection came out. Jesus. Yeah, no, it's all, all that stuff's a long time ago. Um, those would be where where I would start um, for sure. It's um, hard. For golden age stuff, it's just not. I mean, that's not that's not superhero. Like, obviously, you can you can buy a ton of Batman and Superman golden age collections, and there's always Captain America. But if you if you're looking for non superhero golden age stuff, there's not been a huge market for those uh, reprints. Yeah, you know that stuff was all considered to be it was kid stuff. So there's a lot of western stuff and, and things like that. But I don't know much about romance it. romance comics and. But but they were aimed at kids, so there's maybe not that much stuff that sort of holds up really well in the same way. But you never know; you could come across a, a rich vein of of art. But those are the places I would start. Yeah, I think you're I think you're looking at those mostly for the art. Yep. Oh yeah. Sure. Totally. Contact at ifanboy.com. That's where you could write in and send us an email, and uh, you can even send us an email that's not about Watchmen or Doomsday Clock. If you, you want. could. No one else this week did, other than Ken, but. Uh, <laughs> Also, as we talked about at the end of last year, uh, we, we archived everything that we didn't answer. It goes right into a folder because there's too many of them. So we start the year clean. So if we, if we didn't get to your email last year, you can always resend it. Uh, for sure. So speaking of uh, of the new year, uh, I owe everyone listening here, I owe a Talksplode to from December. Uh, as, as in years past, it, we, it was unable to put one together uh, during that month. Um, so there's swap months so that you don't have Talksplode in December. That's a good point. 
We, we could do that. Uh, so I've got one on the way for you this month. Uh, I don't have it locked down yet. Uh, and then I'll have another one for you next month for sure. And then also we will have a book explode this month. And maybe we should slide. Josh is going to have uh, interview me for Talk Explode. Also a hangout, a Patreon hangout, patreon.com. One yeah. of the perks is a monthly hangout. We do... We haven't scheduled anything this month just because of both Josh and I have been sick. I don't know what the book explode is going to be. We haven't done the hangout. We, this is all stuff we got to figure out. It's the, be- the beginning of the year really comes on hard. And then if the two people doing it are both uh, are both down, um, that's a problem. And we're already basically halfway through the month. So we'll, we're going to figure this out soon. Yes. Don't you? But we will. We always do. Yeah. Connor is the master of the schedule. This month. And I usually show up when I'm told. Books blow his watchman. <laughs> <laughs> you know something we don't have to uh, read. Something we I w- no, I would definitely have to read it. Yeah, oh right, I forgot about all this. Yeah. We'll, uh, figure we'll figure it out. Head over to ifanboy.com. You can find all about all of our podcasts, everything we've done before, all the past talks, books, books, blows, etc., etc., and our pick of the week shows. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out, so you are prepared when you are listening by liking Facebook.com/ifanboy, following at ifanboy on Twitter, or um, follow ifanboy comics on uh, Instagram and you can find the best of the weekend panels that uh, Connor had a hell of a time with this week. Um, oh, yeah. do, do you know yeah. it's been seven years since we stopped doing the website? Like daily content on the website. doesn't feel like it. Seven years. Gets in your bones. Um, it's, been, it's been longer than we did the, sh- the website without the podcast. Uh, you can follow C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram or Jay Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram. Um, You're back. Also for that. I, off and on. Depends on when it annoys me. I'm annoyed with. I could go any. I'm. 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 I'm hovering over the. I'm a man who works from home, so I need an outlet. But if it wasn't for that, self destruct. <laughs> Pictures of my dog on Instagram. Call it a day. If you like the show, please write, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Overcast, where whichever aggregator you use, it's a great way to help the show. Is to leave a review or just a star rating helps people find podcasts. We do thank you for that. Even better than that is to tell your friends. Word of mouth is a great way to spread the word about iFanboy, and we, and we appreciate that every time someone does and lets us know about it. We thank you for that. And uh, I can't guarantee I'm going to be healthy next week. I may never be healthy again, so that'll be the fun mystery. That'll be the fun thing. Tune in next week to find out if I'm dying or not, um, and I'll, be, I'll obviously still be doing the show. I, I hope this doesn't sound insincere, like I'm just trying to get uh, attention, but... I hope you don't die. Well, you, you you have a harder time doing the show. And not just not just for not just for those kind of reasons. I would be upset if you were to die, especially if it was from something as innocuous as a cold. But if you were gonna catch a cold that was gonna kill you, you would definitely do so in the greater metropolitan Manhattan area, so that makes sense. There's nothing for you in my will, Josh. So There's, you don't have anything. I have nothing to give. <laughs> I'm not offended by that. Until that stare money comes in. (laughs) All right, until next week, I'm Connor. I'm I'm Josh. The stare money. (laughs) 